The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patrick, are you recording? I am indeed recording. Okay, okay. do you want to hear the Rich Dad Poor Dad scam? <laughs> I, I do. Please tell me okay. everything about Rich Dad Poor Dad. So people are super, people are super like up in arms against Dave Ramsey because they're like, I don't want to be responsible for my money. <laughs> um, <laughs> but nobody talks about nobody talks about the real problem of Robert Koyasaki. Oh, I forgot his last name. Dang. I think it's Koyasaki. Anyway. It's you can't just take the name of the most popular Japanese fish and add Asaki at the end. You can't just do that. Make a Japanese name. Patrick. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure the most popular fish is the Humu Humu Nuku Nuku Abua. Okay. Is that a real not, fish? It, it is indeed. It's a state fish of Hawaii. It's also the deleted song from High School Musical 2. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that thinks youth ministers should get paid more. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. <laughs> it's just us. We're the only one. <laughs> it's, it's only us. This is a pro. Well, let me let me just say everyone's favorite word. Have you ever thought about unionizing? A little. <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy Day would organize a youth minister's union if she was I'm okay I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna this is like unironic time I'm not gonna say I haven't thought about parish worker unions it's not a bad idea it because here's the thing the way people got treated at the the panda oh sorry we gotta lay you off yeah whoopsies we overhired whoopsies you know like I I would have struck I would have done it I would have I would have ministered to my kids on my own time. That's what I would have done. I would have been like, I ain't doing anything. Yeah. You know? And don't tell me here's the thing. I can't I I can't stand the excuse where it's like there's no way that the Catholic Church could have seen a a decline in uh, you know, money coming in. Like, don't tell me that the bishops and the priests couldn't couldn't have seen this coming, right? I mean you tell me you tell me you didn't have six months of operating. Typically, typically, I'm under the impression that if most bishops and priests had one more eye, they'd be a cyclops. But <laughs> I love that in this circumstance. Yeah. After 2018 and all this stuff, it's just anyway. It's a whole thing. It's I, we're not and, here to talk the, about that. No, 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 we're not. It's working. I, 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 I've, I've heard horror stories about working conditions and. I think like here's here's the reality. It's it's unions. We're not talking about the world today. We're not, we're not talking, talking about, about the world. We're today. talking about God. <laughs> we're not talking about God. We're talking about God. Uh, un- unions are good, especially in um, 
in situations where there is a uh, a power disparity between the people who are work the workers and the people who are in charge and there always will be and i think i think like there's a reality that like i don't know there's there's a necessary authority between a priest and a bit like a priest and a bishop and like a layperson yeah but in terms of professional relationships that authority does not necessarily is not necessary not necessary i mean uh, this is a really complicated issue that we shouldn't talk about on the it podcast. It is. We, maybe, I don't, we don't know anything. But let me tell you this. I just watched Ocean's 13. I'm not, I'm not a Bishop Zubik. I'm not organizing. Okay, please don't don't union bust me. Okay, I'm just kidding. B- Bishop Bezos is like, listen. <laughs> David D- David Zubik, Bishop, his, his Excellency David Zubik is not uh, Bishop Bezos. That was not... I like my bishop. All right. Thank you for clarifying. I have I, no opinions on my bishop. That's, just, <laughs> that's the reality. The I just watched Ocean's 13 this weekend. It's the first time I've ever watched it. Ocean's 11, popular crunch trivia fact, one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. of all time. It's such a good movie. It's I love so heist good. movies. Heist movies are so fun. And then Ocean's did, you see, did you see Army of the Dead? No. Is it a heist movie? It's a zombie heist movie. Oh, that sounds... It's not a good you movie. You can't just... I thought. I thought we were done with that. I thought we were done with that. I thought that you was, know what's worse. What's worse? There's already two sequels planned, and the movie is less than six months I old. I don't understand. I thought ten years ago, maybe more than that. When did Zombieland come out? Zombieland was the the, the pinnacle of this, of the of the let's turn everything into a zombie thing. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let's get a year check. Year I check remember Ethan. Walking Dead was 2010, and it's like not even done yet. Yeah. Walking Dead is still yeah. Walking Dead is still going. Okay, the, so zo- the yeah. main Zombieland. Yeah. Zombieland was 2009. Walking Dead was 2010. That was like the the, the 2009 to 2012 window was the that's when it happened. Okay, we just gotta leave it there. Like it was it was fun for a minute mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. going over to your boy's house and playing Call of Duty Zombies until two in the morning. Like that was fun for a minute. Mm-hmm. But you can't just put Dave Bautista in a film <laughs> that's that's a heist film and then just say. Meh. We you know what's even better about the Army of the Dead? You know what's even better about Army of the Dead? What is even better about it? Chris D'Elia was in it, <laughs> and they had to edit him out. <laughs> <laughs> they reshot the whole movie. There's there's parts of the movie where it's like very much the case that uh, Dave Bautista, it seems like he's talking to a man, but it's actually mm-hmm. Tig, what's her name? I don't know. And yeah, no. I, I think they may have made, I was like, did they make this character trans? But it's not. They just didn't change the script. Um, hmm. To, to reflect the fact that Chris D'Elia was no longer the pilot. Um, but Yikes. The, the premise of the movie is that uh, Las Vegas zombie apocalypse, they walled off Las Vegas, and they're going to heist it. They're going to heist Vegas, baby, and they got to fight zombies. But the zombies are smart. They're smart zombies. And, yeah. It sounds... <sighs> and Donald Trump is the president, but they don't mention it. Really? Yeah, there's a line where these like they're gonna nuke Las Vegas. They're mm-hmm. gonna do like a short range nuclear missile, and it was planned for the Fourth of July. And the president, they the the president got flack for it. And the news reporter was like, "The president said he planned the he planned the nuclear bomb for July Fourth because he thought it'd be quote really cool and kind of patriotic." I thought, but okay. Mm. Very subtle. Yeah, I very, don't. Was, uh, here's the thing. That was my that was my favorite part of the movie. That was the only good part of the movie. You watched the whole thing. You watched. Oh, first yeah. of all, you watched it. Yeah. Here's my my baseline. Of course, opinion. I watched it. I love heist movies. I know you do. I know you do. I know you. Do. And I love that about you. But here's my baseline opinion. Any movie, 
if I were to log on, which I never, I only log on to a streaming service if I know what I want to watch. Like I have, a, I have, I've, I've done the research and it's like, I'm going to watch this and I know it's on this. So I'm going to go to it. I never just hop on for casual browsing. But if I hop on to, let's say Netflix and there's a film that's being promoted on the front page and in all of the categories, I'm, I will never watch that movie ever in my life will I ever watch that movie or will I watch that series? Everyone's like, Ethan, you played chess as a kid. Did you watch the Queen's Gambit? Nope. Nope, not going to do it. Ethan, you you really like, uh, what's, the, what's the other most recent one? You really like Star Wars. You watched the Mint? Mm-mm. Did not watch the Mandalorian season two. Mm-mm. Not going to do it. You want to know why, Patrick? They're, they're pushing it so hard. They are pushing it so hard. I think anything, anything that has, needs that much advertising can't be good. <laughs> that's, that's what i believe that's fair the, i mean the like, good films will will naturally rise to the top and they'll be the ones that people keep talking about years years later right and they still exist which is the nice thing so then i can kind of just sit back and watch all of the good movies from five years ago that we've all decided are good and not have to worry about the ones coming out today except for dune which is just we it's all gonna be great it's different it's gonna be great um i i take the exact same approach with youth ministry <laughs> okay so whichever you know? whichever kids i see in the front of the room every single week at youth at life night i just don't talk to them i never talk to them i wait for four years to see which kids rise to the top and which I kids are great which and then i only great. talk to those kids <laughs> um no obviously i meant advertising youth ministry even. <laughs> mm. i meant like any youth ministry that needs hype isn't worth going to <laughs> mm-hmm. any youth ministry that needs to pay you uh, in prizes for bringing your friends. I'm just kidding. That's a common, that's a common thing that I just, I'm, I, I, it's part, it's part laziness on my part. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to find prizes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to run a raffle. Yeah. And so I don't. And then I come up with a reason why it's actually not good to do. Uh, so <laughs> my, I, I, I ref- I don't like I my main my main source of advertising is not the bulletin. Yeah. You know? I don't I don't I don't need a full page spread in the bulletin. Um I only need to be up in front of the parish once or twice, mm-hmm. you know, a semester. Because real advertising comes from people talking about things. It's true. Especially with Gen Z. Gen you know how many ads Gen Z people like us and younger see every day? It's too many. We don't care. Thousands. At this point, it's like white noise. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, don't don't worry. Don't worry, Windex. I haven't forgotten that you exist. Calm down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I find, first of all, my old, I just am thinking now, I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but my old youth minister would give away his old t-shirts as prizes. It's, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, what were you doing? Anyway, like he would just... Fit. You just find That's, stuff in his house and then just give it away. Was your old youth minister Creed Bratton? <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah, yeah, he was. Um, <laughs> There's an episode of The Office where uh, Creed, where Creed gives Creed got Jim for Secret Santa and gives him a shirt, and Jim is like, "This shirt, it's very clearly that he forgot." And uh, this was in his closet, and he mm-hmm. gave it to me. And then the next talking head is Creed going, "Yeah, that's exactly what happened." <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's probably where he got the idea. But I, I love the idea of the bulletin. So let's 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 put our let's let's put our yeah institutional church minds mind cap on. So mm-hmm. let's 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 devise a way in this modern fast paced world 
to make sure everybody knows what they need to know. I got it. We'll make a booklet <laughs> <laughs> that, that we'll hand out every week. Uh-huh. And on the back, it's going to have ads for the dentist. And everyone, <laughs> everyone's going to want to go to that dentist. Like, wait a minute. I feel like we, we lost the plot a little bit. Okay. Do you, do you know how bulletins are financed? I learned this this it's week. It's just I, the ads, right? I've worked for the... No, here's the thing. That's not. Did you know that some churches get paid money to make their bulletin? By okay. who? I thought, in my stupid idiot brain, <laughs> in my little simple-minded, not-a-church-person brain, mm-hmm. I've worked for the church for almost three years, and I never knew that like bulletin companies like LPI, they solicit ads from your local area the ad company pays LPI and then LPI essentially gives you the bulletin. So but what that does is it mm-hmm. puts you at the behest of the publisher. Right. Cause what I said was, Hey, we should steal our back page back. Like we should get rid of those ads in the back page. Those are stupid. Yeah. And then I learned you can't, uh, we have to, we have to negotiate that because those ads are, are like super pricey. And I was like, okay, yeah. Valuable space. That's true. It's very valuable space. Um, so it should be ours. Put the ads in the middle with all the other. Imagine, stuff imagine if your church was like, sorry. Imagine if your church was like, sorry. That's the best room in our. That's the best ministry center that we have. Um, unfortunately, we have to rent it out to the Rotary Club, uh, so the youth ministry can't use it. It's like, come but, on. But honestly, this is for us. It's ours. Patrick, Patrick, <laughs> Patrick. That mindset is so prevalent everywhere else in the church. Like I know we know that this is our biggest space and the best to use for worship, but we're going to put the tabernacle in a different room. And <laughs> we're actually we're actually going to hang felt banners according to the seasons instead of actually putting in nice marble or stained glass. You know, like that's just yeah. that's what we've done. That's our brand now, you know? Like it's not you seem surprised, but also putting stuff that's really valuable where it doesn't belong is kind of the Catholic Church in America's thing, you know? Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> I forgot about this. Yeah, um, I, I I do I do want to talk about this though because I I uh, I'm working on making the youth ministry space the best it can be. Sure. And I've sw- I've recently flipped my mindset. How many LEDs okay. have you bought this week? Oh my gosh, so many! <laughs> I'm just getting those LED tube lights that the Gen Z kids have in their TikTok backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got a remote control. I want kids um, to walk in and think just by being in this room, I'm gonna get. 3,000 more subscribers. That's the that's the <laughs> thought that I want to go through their mind. It's like I'm walking in here instantly blowing up. It's that's not that's not not what I want. Okay. Um I <laughs> so we're we're meeting in a we're meeting in the the old school's gym. Okay. Okay. I'm with it. And my recent my 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 mindset going into this honestly was okay. How can I make the best out of a bad situation? Oh, uh-huh. right. That was like like this is obviously not the ideal youth room. How can I make the best out of a bad situation? I don't really like the word youth room. I'm thinking of changing the language around that. But um, how can I make the the best rad zone? The rad zone, <laughs> the club Zion. <laughs> how can I make this the best it can be? Um, instead of instead of let's make the best out of a bad situation. I'm trying to flip it in my in my mind of thinking like actually it's good that it's an old space mm-hmm. that's unique yes. because you can do we can play we can we can we can play off of that yeah. uh, Nick Sharapa Nick Sharapa I was talking on the phone with him about this and he gave a really good example so in his youth room 
there's just a phone. There's a landline. Okay. okay. And he's like, I have the perfect youth room, except there's just a random phone <laughs> on the wall. Yeah. And I want everything to be there for a purpose, but there's just a phone there. And so what, what Riley told him to do was just just make a, a, a take a bunch of tape and make a blue circle around the phone and write phone and then with a bat, giant arrow pointing to the phone and now all of a sudden it's a meme you know yeah. it's like it's a it's a it's a bit right That's pretty funny. and so like when you welcome new people be like hi welcome to our welcome to welcome to life teen uh in case you need a phone there's, there's a phone, there's the phone. Yeah. um there's the phone i know you have a phone <laughs> but, but in case you don't have that phone you can use that one to call that phone that's pretty good <laughs> um and so like Taking the taking the uh, the thing that you can't get rid of and turning it into, a, it's not a bug; it's a feature sort mm-hmm. of thing. I mm-hmm. did that with we couldn't we we didn't have a name for our youth ministry at at Holy Spirit, so it was just called Youth Group, and I hate the word Youth Group, um, and so I made it ironic. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's Youth Group with two O's, Youth Group, yeah, both yeah. two O's. I actually got the Instagram handle at Youth Group. That was our Instagram <laughs> handle at first. Kind of <laughs> you could follow us at Youth Group, <laughs> two O's. Um, and then the, the students would, ch- the teens would chant youth group, youth. It was great. That's and funny. so turning it into, into an ironic thing. Um, and I, I found a bunch of, uh, a bunch of examples of old warehouses and old like church buildings, unfortunately, a YMCA turned into coffee shops and oh. like office, office suites. And so uh-huh. how, how I can, how you can kind of like use the old architecture to make it look actually retro and a cool place to be. Uh, they're going to enter in this side door that's like a very, it's very much an emergency exit. <laughs> but when you walk up to it, it kind of looks like you're entering in a, like a, walking into like a, an old underground comedy club, you know? And so I'm going to try and make the outside look like they're walking into someplace that's kind of cool and hip and underground, you know? So I'm excited. I'm, I, 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 have, I have decided to change my mindset and focus on making something that I think is a bug into a feature. You really want your teens to drink coffee, huh? Is that the, is that, that's now the goal is let's see how caffeinated I can get these kids while I'm trying to give them the kerygma. Yeah. Because, uh, the, the old way of doing ministry is let's make sure the kids are as tired as possible so I can trick them into thinking they've had an, uh, an experience. Everybody talk about your dad. Everybody, <laughs> everybody quick. Think about your dad. <laughs> But now, oh no, oh no! We only have two hours left. Till, we only have an hour left to the adoration. We don't have enough time for the talk. Uh, everybody, quick! Think about your dad. <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, I'm so glad. I, I, I'm really excited because I'm 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 noticing as I research how to minister to Gen Z, the qualities of Gen Z. I'm mm-hmm. uh, like I'm like researching, and these these. Uh, marketing blogs are like here are the qualities of Gen Z and here's what Gen Z appreciates and I'm like oh oh I'm Gen Z <laughs> oh, what is Gen Z let's do a litmus test what does Gen Z appreciate and I'll tell you if I appreciate that thing okay because I, I do I do up. believe even though we're only one year apart I do believe that we're in different generations yeah okay <laughs> so I'll pull up I'll pull up uh, even though Patrick's married and is <laughs> and is further along in life than i am i think i'm older than him that barely counts uh okay 10 vital strategies to use when marketing to gen z okay Okay. i'm gonna blast these so hard gen z cares about the world true or false for you false okay (laughs) the world the world was given the world hates is gonna hate me because it hated jesus first 
I think what it means is like I think what it means like it cares about it it would it prefers brands that brands that like do things that are good in the world. I I actively buy the the brands with the most chemicals. Okay, I try Uh, my way. (laughs) Do you or do you not value entrepreneurship? I would say that I value entrepreneurship. Okay, so I like, I like someone who can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Okay, do you or do you not tend towards brands that or how how important is uh, a meaningful interaction for you when dealing with a brand? Zero, zero importance. Okay, it's very important for Gen Z. Really, what does that mean? Like the the. <laughs> You see the Nabisco guy restocking the shelves in the store, and you're like, "Hey, what's your life story? Like, what what does that mean? A meaningful it's like, interaction it's like, with a brand." So, uh, I am a brand conscious person. Gen Z, uh, Gen Z is is less brand conscious than millennials. They care. Okay, if it isn't already, customer attention should be a part of your marketing strategy. This is um, retaining Gen Z is is trickier. Because they don't care about brands, yes, and they are less likely to stick with brands, so you have to work harder to uh, retain their business. Gen Z is eager to interact with their favorite brands, but what you have to do is like you have to promote meaningful interactions. Meaning, like, you got to do what Wendy's does on Twitter. Sure, okay. but yeah, I, I guess. Is that what? But with, in like a direct way, with the I don't know how. I mean, I don't want Wendy's sending memes to my phone. Like, yeah, I know. I, so a good, a good example would be like community, the, the, mm-hmm. the platform community of like, I want to feel like I have direct contact with yeah. the brands that I trust. Yeah. Like a brand, if you, if you ask, like, if you ask a Gen Z person, if they trust Amazon versus, I don't know, what's a brand that I interact with versus like, I don't know, these niche brands like Catholic card game, right? Like I trust Catholic card game more than Amazon because I have a personal relationship with mm-hmm. With Matt, the the I think I think the this is actually a very human thing. Yeah, having a personal a personal relationship with the people that sell you things, mm-hmm. like, and that's something that has been lost for a while because I think generations prior to Gen Z are so used to big box stores and the the people you interact with when you're buying things, they work for the people that own the thing you're buying. They yeah. don't actually own the thing you're buying. Uh, sorry. Okay. So, uh, they care about, do you care about communicating in a personal way? Yes. So does Gen Z. <laughs> I, like I don't, I know. Right. Question. It's a very stacked question. Uh, communicating in a personal way, growing up, okay. Growing up with the internet and fake news has made Gen Z, uh, savvy. So they understand mm. like Gen Z is different from everybody else because they like being treated like a person. I know. Right. <laughs> Gen Z is different than everyone else because they were made for a relationship, but that relationship was broken by sin. I think. I think what I think what's different is that they are conscious of this because instead of, I think for people who technology was introduced slowly into their lives, they didn't realize how slowly it was poisoning the way that they look at the world. Whereas Gen Z was thrown into technology, and they're like, "Holy crap! I wasn't made for this." You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a frog. Yeah. It's like the frog in the hot pot of water. Right. I think they, because kids in their phones, phone bad, book good. Yeah. Uh, I hear that all the time uh-huh. from parishioners, or at least I did. I don't know about these parishioners here, but it was like, oh my gosh, like these kids these days and their freaking phones. I'm like, no, 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 no. No, adults these days and their phones. Yeah. Okay. 
Like the kids didn't buy them themselves. No, no. (laughs) And they understand, they understand that TikTok is bad for them. You know how I know that? Because TikTok has a feature in it where a guy comes up and says, hey, you've been scrolling way too long. Why don't you put your phone down? Um, Because TikTok understands that if they present themselves as being tech conscious, the teens will be more addicted to them anyway. It's so insidious. It's horrifying. It's, it's, you're so, it, we're so was, slow. What if there was a little man that popped out of the Oreo cart, carton that said, hey, <laughs> you've, been eating, you've been eating too many Oreos. Why don't you? You gotta uh, slow down. You gotta slow down. <laughs> we're so, we're so slow. We think kids are so, we think that kids are addicted to their phones. Yeah. Whereas, and they don't care. Whereas TikTok and companies like them have are so ahead of us. They've already figured out that kids don't want to be addicted to their phones, mm-hmm. and figured out how to addict them to their phones in spite of that desire. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's kind of nuts. I'll do one last one. A little uh, man pops out of the dashboard of your four, Toyota Corolla. Hey, you've been driving for <laughs> too long. They actually do have that. There's like need a the little thing that pops that says need a break. That's crazy, man. They, yeah, we understand. Toyota, if you want to sponsor this, well, well, the little thing when you're making uh, when you're making toast on your Cuisinart toaster, a little man pops up and says, "Hey, you've been making a lot of toast today. <laughs> I want this for everything." It says, "Forget about Facebook. Focus on Snapchat." I feel like that. This was this is in 2018. I feel like this is a lot different. Snapchat's now. gone. It's over. Yeah, create snackable content. Hmm. Yeah. The average attention span for a millennial is twelve seconds. For a generation Z, it's it's eight seconds. Um, people people over inflate that statistic of like, oh, your attention span is only like, I don't know how how do you how do you you can't track that you no, know you like can't. it's as if as if like oh my gosh they can only focus on things for twelve seconds. How do they read books? You know, it's like okay, yeah. Well, it's like if you ask me to pay attention to a video of a a. A, a surveillance video of a convenience store parking lot versus, you know, oceans, oceans 13. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like it just depends on how the study is conducted. Um, I think the big things were, okay. So they have no patience for things that don't work as intended. So like they never had to, we never had to use dial up internet. Huh? My dad is Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, the most um, famous line of my dad and my family is, I probably have said this on the podcast, but we had my mom got one of the great value mustard things and we normally get the French's mustard and the, <laughs> the nozzle was all gunked up with mustard gunk. Oh, okay. And my dad was just had a bad day, you know, <laughs> okay. and he's, he's a very charitable, generous man, but he said, I make too much money to have a crappy mustard container. And he was, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so funny. I love that. Yes. that. That's a that's a that's a man who uh, knows what he wants. He does, right? It's like, I think we've all had that moment where it's like I am in a position in my life where I should not have to deal with X problem, and I feel like, yeah, maybe I feel like Gen Z is more used to the whole like if I have to wait in line for something because something's taking too long. Like most Gen Zers are like, no, it's cool. Whereas the people older than millennials are like, this this is ridiculous. Get it together. I think I think I think they they meant more like technologically speaking. I see, but I think I, I I do think these generalizations are are maybe not helpful. The thing the thing that has been most helpful for me is like Gen Z is more acutely aware of when people are trying to get something from them. Yeah, and the con, the consumer mindset is so prevalent mm-hmm. 
because they don't really know anything else, but mm-hmm. they understand that it's wrong. Yeah. Um, they understand that something is wrong. And I think, I think that's, that's the thing that I, that I focus on when I'm, when I'm talking to people about youth ministry is like, these kids understand that something is wrong. We just haven't told them what it is yet because we think they don't care. Mm. We look at teenagers like they're well, rolling their eyes. that's what we talked about and, last week, right? The mm-hmm. ap- we just assume everybody's apathetic when in reality you preach the gospel to anybody and their heart is going to be changed. Apathy, apathy is not necessarily something like apathy is a big problem, but it's not something that you're born with. You're not born with apathy. You, you cling to it because it's, it's the only, it's the only thing that can keep you sane. If you don't have answers to your questions, you, Mm -hmm. you, you, if you keep asking, if you, if you, if you recognize the hunger in your heart for too long without it going on with it going unanswered, eventually you have to tell yourself, uh, it doesn't matter anyway. Who cares? You know, that, that's, that's, and that's what I was talking to my, my boss Jacob about today was like, my goal is to get to these kids before they become disillusioned and say, well, you know, there are no answers to these questions. There is nothing important about church. There's nothing important about Jesus. There's nothing special here. I don't need it. Mm. Uh, yeah. And we were talking about what people, what people need, what we're talking about, you know, let's, let's look at this in a consumeristic mentality. A consumer is going to say, I need something and you can give it to me. So if you can actually give me a good solution to my problem, I will listen to you. And so how do we present the faith to a consumer mindset? We say, okay, well, what, what are your needs? What's your most important need? Uh, and I was like, mental health, hands down. These kids are like insanely mentally unhealthy. How does Christ enter into mental unhealth? I don't know if you could say that. And how does he solve that problem? Um, and so how do we push that and say like, okay, so depression is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. How does youth ministry address that need? It's a place for you to feel welcomed into a community. It's a place for you to not feel lonely anymore. Um, and, and, and like, in addition to that, it's like the community is transcendent and transcends this building itself. Um, but you can't get, but this, this brings it to like, you can't get people into that community unless you have a track, an attractive community and an attractive place for that community to gather. Um, and so that's why we've been focusing on the building on the, on the youth space. Yes. That's good. You're doing such a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, every youth minister out there that's listening, you gotta be more like Patrick. I don't know if that's necessarily true. And every, every real estate agent out there, can I, can I learn to be more like you? Can you, can you call me? <laughs> will you call me please? I will be, I will be a real estate agent and a youth minister and I will rule the world at that. I'll point. rule the world. I will win. Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, do you want to get into the topic? I do. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Desperately. I'm so excited. Patrick told me that he gave me a little preview, a little tidbit, a little snippet, a little... A little, a little, a little synonym, if you will. Pre-screen showing, a little, little, little Sundance Film Festival advanced screening of the topic, and I am ready for it. I told you basically nothing. <laughs> um, 
So today's episode is, is entirely Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, I guess, because this person originally sent in a Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner question. Great. Okay, but it's a better topic. So if you, if you, just we're still going to do Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner at the end. It's just we're using this question for yes. the topic. This is a different topic. It's so going to be great. If you, if you happen to be one of those people that turns off the podcast when we do Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, you're missing just out. Just turn it off now. Yeah. Turn it off turn, now. Turn it off now. Uh, Okay, so this one comes from Anonymous. Great. I'm in a committed relationship, and I want to avoid bachelorhood. Mm. Hello, I am a 20-year-old female and a senior in college. I am also in a committed relationship that will be at the four-month mark and approaching five months by the time you get to this. I was re-listening to the episode on bachelorhood and how we need to actively combat it by giving ourselves to others no matter what stage of life we're in. Mm. Because I'm just discerning marriage right now with my boyfriend and not engaged or married, how can I best avoid bachelorhood by giving myself to him? Is this too much of a young relationship to give myself to him? Am I going too far into marriage land? Also, how can I encourage my boyfriend to do the same? I'm not saying he walks over me or anything like that, but I know it's important to help my potential future spouse grow in holiness. Mm. He doesn't usually listen to podcasts, even if I send them to him. Sad. And uh, fun fact, this is Helen from your early 2020 at one episodes. Hi, Helen. Uh, that's not her real name, but she was Helen, whichever one that was. Do you remember Helen? No, not at all. Sorry, Helen. Sorry, Helen, but glad glad that you're still around. Good to Yeah, I'm glad that you're back. still hey. still sending in questions yeah. and you know, dating a guy. And yes. I wonder if this is the guy that she asked about. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe it's it was. I don't know. Update yeah. in the comments below. Uh interesting. I don't to to preface, I did not listen to the episode with you and Father Anthony, so I have no idea. <gasps> yeah, I know, gasp. Uh, That's awful. Yeah, it is. I have no idea what you guys said. So I apologize if if I say something that you've already said. I would like to know what your first thoughts are. My first thoughts are Jesus tells us pretty explicitly that he's, I think it's said in every single gospel, like that the person that seeks to save his life will lose it. And the person who seeks to lose his life will save it. Like maybe, maybe it's just in the synoptic gospels, but I feel like it's, it's pretty on repeat, you know, Jesus has that. It's one of his starred tracks on Spotify. Is that yeah. one? Um, and greatest hits. Greatest hits. You know, top your top tracks. Uh, instead of twenty twenty one, it's thirty three. <laughs> um, anyway, and I and I don't think that that just applies to vocation at all. There was a. I don't. Did I did I talk about? I don't remember when I recorded with you. Was it Saturday? Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Okay. So after after I recorded with Patrick, I went to the vigil mass with Emma because she worked on Sunday. And so I went with her and we were going to the church that's up where she lives now. So I was driving up to meet her. And along the way, there was a woman on the side of the road who had a sign that said something along the lines of like, hey, I need to get to where I'm going. You know, please help. You know, don't don't have a car, something, something like that. And I've been trying very intentionally to make sure that I stop and treat the people on the side of the road like human beings, um, if it's possible. Like, obviously, sometimes you're you're in a weird situation, you know, and you're like the person's on the other side and like you're three rows over. And it's like there's really no way for you to get over there without causing a traffic accident. So it's like I'm not tr- I'm not. Yeah, sure. I'm not being imprudent. But if there's if I know that there's someone who's sitting, you know at a stop sign and it's going to take me an extra five minutes to go around the block and like hit that left turn that they're sitting at. Cause I was going to go right. Then I'm going to do that. You know, and it doesn't really bother me. 
because at the very least I can give them some money. I can give them some food. I can pray with them. Uh, and if somebody behind me gets mad at me, whatever. Right. But there's this woman on the side of the road and she clearly wanted someone to pick her up. And that's something that I've never done before. And so I was like, yeah, I got to keep going. Got to keep going. And I just was thinking about it the whole time that I was driving to mass, the whole, all the way through mass, all the whole day after mass, just about how Jesus, when he was going places, he never really like, like he would stop, but he always invited people to go with him where he was going. Mm-hmm. And what I could have done was I could have pulled over and said, Hey, what's your name? What do you need? And she says, I need to go to blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, I can take you there, but I'm going to mass right now. Like, do you want to come with me? That's what I could have done. Right. And I only really thought about that after the fact. And I'm not saying this cause this is what I think everyone should do. This is just what came up in my prayer after this particular incident. Um, and it kind of like changed my perspective of this idea of how do I give myself away when I have obligations? Because my obligation mm-hmm. in that moment was I'm going to mass with my fiance so that I can pray with her. You know, like that's what I'm doing, you know, but there's someone over here who needs help. Right. Yeah. And kind of the, the typical response is this thing over here, my fiance is more important than this thing. So I'm not even going to give this thing a second thought. But I think a lot of times we live so compartmentalized that we don't even think like I did not. Even, it took me an hour and a half to even think of the option because I just was turning it over and over and over again in my mind. Like, what could I have done? Even think of the idea of why don't you come with me? And I think this might get at what she's asking about because it's really hard to give yourself away to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really hard to give yourself away to one person when you're not married to them. So like, what do you do? And I think the beginning of that answer is where are you going? Like what direction is your life pointed in and how are you living your life? Because if you're living for something, if you're living for God, it's so much easier to just invite people in along the way and you don't have to feel like you're you're stepping out of something that's good to like do this thing that you feel obligated to do and then like go back into this other thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's kind of like the where my brain is going. It's like how can we talk about it in a different way than just individual instances? I think it needs to be a holistic life thing. Like being ready to give yourself yes what is that always be always be ready to is that what it says what's the verse um if someone asks you to go a mile go with them too if someone asks for your cloak give them both i don't know give them your tunic as well or something like that Hmm. um Um, i guess i'm just thinking of always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason oh Um, that yeah that's first peter 3 15 yeah 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 Yeah. i I think her question is more not like how to be more okay how to avoid bachelorhood in general mm-hmm. versus how to avoid bachelorhood in your dating non-engaged non-married relationship. I think both of those questions are important. Yes. How to avoid bachelorhood in general, I think we kind of talked about in that last episode. Mm-hmm. So we should focus on how to avoid bachelorhood in date in non-married relationships. Yes. And I think the, but the key of the question is, is how do I give myself away when I haven't vowed to give myself away? Yes. That's, that's the, fair. That's the question, yeah. right? That's kind yeah, of why I, I zeroed in on that particular thing. 
Okay, so you, are you like asking how to give yourself away in that instance with the lady on the side of the road? Yeah, that was like, yourself? that's why I kind of introduced that story. Is like, that's kind of what made, it made me think of is I feel like I struggle because I know I need to give myself away to Emma. And I know that Helen needs to give herself away to her boyfriend in as much as that, whatever that looks like in a mm-hmm. dating relationship. And I think bachelorhood results in you're not, you give yourself away to the wrong thing is I, what, what I think bachelorhood is. You know, you're giving, you're giving okay. yourself to the wrong thing in the wrong way. Like there's just a lack of prudence, right? This is like, what do we think of when we think of bachelors? There, there's empty beer bottles all over, food everywhere, video games, uh, going out, uh, being slovenly just generally. It's because they gave themselves away to something, right? It's this mm-hmm. lifestyle choice of everything's for me all the time, right? And if they get... If they get married, those things end purely because of accountability, mm-hmm. not because of any kind of self-responsibility. Yes. Yeah. And so, so I, like, I, the question I'm asking is how do we introduce a mindset into people's minds that it's not just how do I give myself away the right number of hours per week to my boyfriend and how do I give myself away the right number of hours per week to everyone else? The question is how do I live an integrated life where my whole life is a gift? And I think okay, that answers yeah. the bachelorhood question, but I, uh, that's, so that was, if you were asking for my initial thoughts, that's where I am, but I want to hear your, your take. Yeah. Cause like, I'm sorry if that was unclear. There are certainly speaking of things on speaking of on the side of the road things. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So like I was driving home and, uh, it was late. It was about like 8 PM. It was super dark. And, I was driving home and I was on this like country road and it was taking uh, you home, taking me home. And I see this guy whose hazards are on and he's struggling to get a canoe strapped to his truck. Okay. It, it had fallen off. He, I pulled over I, I, and so I pulled over to ask if he needed help. And that's not something I would have done if Phoebe was in the car. Yeah. And so like, I think, I think there's like a giving yourself away Get, making yourself available to people um, is good. Mm-hmm. But like had had Phoebe been in the car, I would not have done that because that's not responsible for me to like, you know, uh, pull over um, by myself with my wife in the dark to, and talk to an unknown gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so like that, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be right safe. So like that, that was my first thought when you started talking about, mm-hmm. cause like, you had already committed to a certain thing and something else presented itself. So the question was, instead of in your mind, it shouldn't have been two diverting options of I need to give myself to either Emma or this person. It should have been, how can I integrate this gift of self into this already already existing commitment that I've made? How can I always give of myself? Because the the Mm -hmm. existing commitment that is made is I've given my life to Jesus Christ and I'm going to live according to what he has asked of me. And I've, I've been reading the, uh, there's these really great books, the, the father of the little flower and the mother of the little flower that are about Louis and Zelly Martin that are out of print in America. And so I had to buy them wow. from, from England, um, on abooks.com. Everybody, nice. everybody go to abooks.com. There's no copies of this book left cause I bought them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's Louis specifically 
had this gift about him where he was super generous of himself. And oftentimes his family would be like, why isn't he home? Where is he? What's going on? And he was always willing to stop and, and, and help someone. But at no point did it interfere with his love of his wife or his love of his daughters. In fact, it inspired them, you know, to, Mm -hmm. for his daughter to become the greatest saint of modernity, you know, um, now this is all very lofty for someone who's 20 years old, who's been dating someone for four months. Um, yeah. And so it's like the question for unmarried people, how do you begin to live that way? It's like, all right, right now you're, you're when you're married and Patrick, you can attest to this. Like the way that you give yourself totally to Jesus is by giving yourself totally to Phoebe. Like that's the, that is the means by which you can give yourself to the Lord totally. Cause it'd be crazy mm-hmm. if all you did all day was going to the chapel and like pray for eight hours and fast and not make any money. <laughs> like it just, it wouldn't work because yeah. on, on paper you're giving yourself to Jesus. But in reality, the person that you've vowed upon pain of mortal sin and death to love mm-hmm. is, is, is like, where's my husband? <laughs> like what is going on? <laughs> um, and so for a person who's not married, when you're married, you that's your that's your only option. But when you're not married, the only option I think is how do you pursue Christ with everything, with the person that you're dating, and let that define like how you guys live. Because mm-hmm. I really can't there's think a, of a better way to combat bachelorhood. You know, there's a fun. I mean, okay, so so bachelorhood brotherhood is a solution to bachelorhood because it allows you to give yourself partially mm-hmm. to a person yes. um, and practice giving yourself so that you can give yourself fully. Mm-hmm. There's, a fundamental ori- there's a fundamental difference of orientation between mm-hmm. two people who are dating and two people who are married. Yes. And you can see this based on the way that, uh, the, way that the bodies are oriented during marriage, yes, the mar- the ma- mm-hmm. matrimony, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. D- during 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 the mass is yes. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like when you when you walk up, you know, you're facing the altar together. You're unmarried, and then when you're getting married, you face, face each, each other. other. Yes, exactly. And then you and cry, th- a, <laughs> and then you cry, and you have to like hold each other's right hands for some reason. And it's like I've never shaken my Wife's I've never shaken hand. this person's hand yeah. before. Right. And this is very strange. Mm-hmm. And your boss is right there. And he's like, Patrick, don't forget your lines. Um, and then he says, you're both influencers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and so like, it's, it is a fundamental shift of orientation, right? Where it's like, you're, you're in marriage, you're facing someone in the way that until that point, you've only ever faced Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very interior facing thing. And so like, but that, but that, that external orientation, that facing outward together, there's, it's, it's not, you're not, not facing each other. You're facing something else together. And mm-hmm. I think that's what a dating relationship is. Yes. It's facing Jesus together mm-hmm. and giving yourself to that is how you practice, ba- practice brotherhood or sisterhood in your case. Yeah. Helen. Um, Cause there is, there is a difference, but that's for a different book. 
None of these books will ever get written. Um, and <laughs> that's for a different podcast. Uh, the, 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 the goal right now is sisterhood, which is, you know, standing next to mm-hmm. your brother and saying, how can we walk, how can we get closer to Christ together? Um, and I think, sorry, what are your thoughts? I was just going to say, I think a lot of our questions are answered when we ask, what is the most that I can love in this scenario? Mm-hmm. And that just kind of, cause that was the question that Jesus was always asking the father when he was on earth. It's like, how can I love you yeah. most right now? And how can I love the people around me the most? And, and he did that and he lived that way. And you can just see it by the way that he mm-hmm. interacted with people. It's like sometimes the way that he could love people the most was by being harsh with them, you know, and saying yeah. like the dogs do not eat from the, from the, from the table or whatever. Right. Or driving the ch- money changers out of the place or, or any of these things writing in the ground and being like brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs, like all these things. It's like the question that he asked the father is how can I love them best in this moment? chastising it's correction it's Mm -hmm. all these things but most of the time he was looking at people who had never been looked at before and talking to them in a way that they had never been talked to before and actually hearing them and listening to them and caring about who they are and so if you're with your boyfriend or with any friend really and you start asking the question like how can i love brad the most right now yeah knowing everything you know about you know physicality before marriage and knowing everything you know about emotional boundaries before marriage, all of those things need to be properly ordered and in place. And that's why the, I feel like that's why there's a lot of emotional chastity and physical chastity speakers is because like we have this like a desire to love people naturally, but then it just gets distorted by these things. So you got to get those things kind of worked out. Yeah. And, and I want to add like boundary crossing is generally not uh, giving yourself too much to someone. It's, usually selfish agree yeah crossing boundaries is like like because i know what you're understanding i know i know like if i say hey, you got to give yourself as much as you can mm-hmm. to your boyfriend it sounds like i'm saying oh good like how how clo- the jason everett thing of how close can i get to this cliff without going over mm-hmm. that's not what i'm saying at all it's like understanding the boundaries that you can't cross how how much can i get what can i give is already it's not it's nowhere even close to the boundaries right it's like it's like those boundaries are completely not in the conversation at all because generally when you're going when you're thinking about oh i'm getting too close to that boundary what you're going towards is i'm trying to get something physically or emotionally from this person so you're actually not Mm -hmm. giving of yourself you're taking Mm -hmm. and that's true with emotional boundaries crossing and physical boundaries physical boundaries are more easy to understand but it's like if I'm sharing too much emotionally, if I'm giving them too much emotionally, it's probably because I want validation or I want affirmation, which is the same word, or I want like pity, you know, I want like, I want, um, I want, uh, I want like a, like a bond. I want, uh, what's it called? I want like an alliance, you know, Oh, <laughs> which is what I, I've, 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 I've figured out that why people gossip It's because they want, uh, they want alliances. They want people to be on their side. Mm-hmm. They want trust. They don't want to be alone. Um, yeah, they're giving they're giving too much. It's not giving too much. It's Selfish. not. It's yeah. taking. It's taking. Yeah. It's there's no. It's not giving in that situation. So, um, yeah, I think I think I think that that's something that we need to to distinguish. Because when you were saying when you were saying how much can I love this person in the moment, I think that's a question that Jesus answered, um, and would answer perfectly. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves, how much can I love this person? What can I, what can I give this person right now? Mm-hmm. And then plus one. Right. Because right. what we, yes. what the, yeah, yeah. The, the thing that we set for ourselves, the, the amount that we're willing to give of ourselves is always going to be restricted. It's always going to be less. Yeah. Cause we're busted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had, I had that experience yesterday where I was like, I really wanted to go to sleep, but Phoebe had a really tough day mm. and like needed a massage. Okay. And I was like, I really want to go to sleep. Hey, Patrick, but I've, I'll give her I've had a really tough day. And I know you're really tired, but um, <laughs> can you fly to Tulsa and give me a back row? I don't live in Tulsa anymore, but. Oh, whatever. Wherever you live. Without <sighs> <You don't> <laughs> the second cornfield from the left. You don't, even, you don't even care. There's no corn in Oklahoma. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, not anymore. Not since, not since the grapes of wrath. What? I've never read ruined. any John Steinbeck novels, so I need you to know. I think they I think they were growing cotton. I think that's what yeah, they were growing. Yeah, and I don't think it was in Oklahoma. It was. All right. They were in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, the Dust Bowl. I think you know back. all about the Dust Bowl. I know about the Dust Bowl because the Dust Bowl happened in Kansas. It happened in Kansas and Oklahoma, and yeah, parts of Nebraska. And anyway, mm-hmm. so you gave Phoebe a massage. Did you know that the dust from the Dust Bowl reached Manhattan? Kansas, like the New York. Oh. Uh, no, yeah. I didn't know that. Isn't that crazy? It's kind of crazy. Did, That's nuts. Did you know that when uh, uh, Mount, what was it called? Kilimanjaro? No. The one that exploded. Helen. No, Helen. no, the one that exploded like a thousand years ago. Mount Vesuvius. Mount Vesu- when Mount Vesuvius exploded. Was that the one with Pompeii? I think so. No, it wasn't the one with Pompeii. It was the one out like way in the middle of the ocean. Krakatawa. Krakatoa. How did you know all those? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit of a volcanologist. Yeah. When Krakatoa erupted, people they people heard it and felt it 3,000 miles away. So that would be like an earthquake happening in California and the people in Manhattan experiencing it. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I do you know I, you know the comic strip XKCD? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, he did this graph that was like, the thing you are studying shows up in your classroom. How normal is that? And how bad is that? And like, there was an, there was a, it was a, an XY grid. Mm -hmm. And, um, some people like entomologists, it was like, okay, that's, that's not that bad, but it's also pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Um, some of my favorites was volcanology. (laughs) That's not normal. And it's It's very bad. bad. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, forensic science was another one. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretty good every once in a while with his little he's, comics he's and jokes. Great. Yeah, I like I like it. Funny guy. So you gave Phoebe a massage. Yeah, I was like, it's like I, I what's the I was like, what's the most I can give, mm-hmm. you know? And then I was like, I should probably, you know, give more because yeah. like, yeah. I think that's really I, good. I, I, is like, what yeah. can I give, and then plus one, because then eventually your plus one's going to be the, become the what can I give, right? Exactly. And that's that's how you grow in virtue. And I guess I'm too much of an idealist because I just want to do everything the most that I can do it. Which, it's also manageable. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's the most I can do? And then, you know what? Plus one. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to give a little bit more. I want, yeah. I could just do like, you know, okay, I'll do like 20 minutes because I really want to go to sleep. But it's like, no, I'll stay up later and make sure that, you know, I give her like your tea, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. When you're not married, this is just fundamentally harder to do. No back rubs before marriage. No back rubs before marriage. No hugs before marriage. <laughs> I have such a good doctor. He didn't stay in a corner for you. The, the or, we were talking about the orientation, right? 
This is why yeah. Christian side hug is a thing. It's because you're not oriented towards each other yet. So think about that. Um, but I think, I think it's hard to know what to do because we don't understand holiness and we don't understand how God is sanctifying us in our daily duties and ordinary tasks of every single day. I'm reading abandonment to divine providence again. Classic. Cause I need to abandon myself to divine providence. And again, there was a line in there that was about it's, it's not about the, the number of works or the magnitude of works that you do. Cause it's just like a, a silly way to view holiness. It's like, if you only look at even people like John Paul, not even Jesus, or just take him out of the equation for a second. Like John Paul II, Mother Teresa, uh, just these heaters, you know, that are living it and doing it. Um, then you're like, frick, I can't do that. But the thing is, is that God gave John Paul II particular gifts and talents mm-hmm. and abilities and made it so that he was the Pope for 25 years. <laughs> And also <laughs> like the youngest Pope ever to be elected. It just like all these. And the second longest reigning Pope. Right. Like he put him in that position for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Because he wanted John Paul II's daily tasks and duties to be very different from yours and mine daily <laughs> tasks and duties. Running the church. Running the church and daily having the opportunity to evangelize people. Like he was perfectly situated to do that. And you and I are perfectly situated to do the daily tasks and duties that we have, you know? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I really don't want to do this week that I need to do is my old Chinese neighbor, Zhuen. She really wants me to dig a trench in her backyard around a dead bush so that I can put up uh, like a little, she calls it a fence, but I don't think she knows the word for like, it's just a little garden border, you know, like I don't really, Uh just a tiny little guy. She goes, we have to put up the fence. I was like, okay, we'll put up a fence. But it's like a three-foot dia- uh, diameter circle mm-hmm. that she wants me to dig up with a shovel and put in. But she forgot the stakes that actually hold the border up at the yeah. store. And so she's like, can you go buy them for me? And I'm like, no, I can't. But like, also I can. You know, I have yeah. the ability to do that. And like that's, since I chose to introduce myself to this woman this is now a part of my daily tasks and duties you know and <laughs> yeah and that's because right somebody else who might have moved here might not have mm-hmm. you know even though this is not very helpful in the grand scheme of things it's like she needs this you know and like god has put me here to do this and if i view my sanctity in like terms of how many people is the podcast reaching and how many how many people am i meeting through my job and how many people am i am i leading bible studies for you know after being a missionary and all these things it's like mm-hmm. then you get lo- then you forget about it's like kind of a joke it's like don't forget me when you're famous kind of a thing you know it's like we get so so <laughs> but with Jesus but with Jesus like we get so <laughs> caught up in the stage and the studies and the things that feel like ministry that we forget that mm-hmm. the daily duties is is the way that God is sanctifying you is doing those with the most virtue and most reverence and the most love that you can possibly do them with. Yeah. When you, when you evangelize people, they ask you for things. Yeah. It's crazy, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of part of it. Jesus goes and evangelizes someone and like, great. Can you fix my legs? (laughs) It's like, I love the whole eternal life thing, but I can't walk. Like, can I, I can I please maybe, could you help me? I can't make it down to the pool. Because there's lots of people like maybe you could help me. Maybe you could help me. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and and like it, it 
I love I love what the, the chosen makes it very plain, but mm-hmm. like the gospel does as well. That Jesus felt we he was wearied by healing people. Like when he healed people, it was laborious for him, and that makes sense because the way that sacraments work, and the way that Jesus' humanity works, is that his divinity was using his humanity as an instrument. And if you use an instrument like a body. It gets tired. It gets old. It gets out of tune. You know, it's like it 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 get the knife dullens. You know, that's just how that's just how instruments work. That's a tool. Dullen. It gets it dulls. <laughs> it gets dullen. Dullened. Dullened. I don't know if that's a uh-huh. word. Oh, it totally is. I said it, so it must be dullened. That's what dullened. people. That's what my my uncle calls me when I do something particularly stupid. You're a dullened. Um. It looks like a word, yeah. D-U-L-L-E-N, Dullen. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, simple past tense of dulled. It gets dulled. Dullened. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. You you were on it, and I was not. It sounds like not a real word. <laughs> it, it, it does. Dulled just didn't sound like the right word. It gets dulled. dull. It gets dull. Dull. It, it dull is an adjective, but dullened is like an adverb hmm. to modify gets. What's the word gets for dullened. what's the word for when you have electric radio about what what the definition of the word dull is? <laughs> We're discussing. This is actually kind of uh, kind of ironic. <laughs> it's uh-huh, like, yeah. hey, what is what, what's the definition of dull? Dull. <laughs> this segment. This this, this part segment. of the podcast right now. <laughs> this part of the podcast has been dullened. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think I think like practical tips for it's like okay, what's a way that you can give yourself to your significant like a, an honest way that you can give yourself to your significant other? It's like how can you what's a situation that you find yourself in with Emma since you guys aren't married yet mm-hmm. and there's functionally there's very there's there's a difference between you know being engaged and being a, a, dating, but you mm-hmm. know like you're in a similar situation in terms of right brotherhood so what are ways that you find yourself giving yourself to emma Uh, it's very similar to what you talked about except i didn't give emma a massage because she's very ticklish so kind of kind of scot-free with that one um the very easy thing is to just have food ready for her when she's done with work like Mm. that's not what i want to do at 7 30 p.m after I've already yeah. eaten dinner or like, or wait to eat dinner that long. I'm hungry for a meal every two and a half hours. Like I cannot, <laughs> I cannot wait that long, but also it's, it's a good thing for me to wait and make a nicer meal than what I normally make. Cause she's just had a long day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's just hard for me that I try to do. Something that I don't do very well is, uh, listening. I'm not very good at listening when Emma's talking about her day. Uh, I'm not good at that one. I'm also not good. This is surprising. I'm not very good at sharing about my own day. Interesting. Because she believes truly, like she wants to hear about my day and wants to enjoys hearing me talk about my day. But there's something in me that's like, this is boring. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to relive my day just so that (laughs) you can, I already did it just so that you can enjoy it. You know, it's like a super selfish (laughs) way of viewing it. Um, but actually sharing when she asks and actually listening when mm-hmm. she shares 
are two things that I'm not very good at that I could be much, much better at, um, but are, but are easy, easy, easy daily ways to, to love this woman. Um, and then also just being attentive and knowing when she, you know, needs like you just know people so like i know when she needs to take a walk i know when she wants to do something active i know that we always need to pray um when i need to help her make a decision about how we're going to decorate the house and what rug we're going to buy and just like those different kinds of things it's like you just have to listen and pay attention to where she's at and if you're actually thinking about her and being conscious of her I just feel like it's pretty simple. Um, I don't, I don't really have any more concrete ways because everyone's situation is going to be different. Everybody needs different things. There's no one size fits all as much as Jerry Seinfeld will make you think that all women are the same. Uh, (laughs) they're not. And so when you have a significant other, just ask them questions like, what do you need? How can I honor you? How can I love you? And then listen to the answer and then do the thing that they said. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually really, that's really good advice. Yeah. Thanks Patrick. Just, just ask. Um, this is there's biblical precedent for this. Jesus walks up to the the paralyzed man and goes, "Hey, what do you want? What can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you?" Yeah. He doesn't just assume he wants to walk. For all Jesus knows, even though he's God, for all Jesus knows, this guy's like, "Actually, I'm totally cool." Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Hey, Jesus. Um, so you're God, and I don't know that. I know that they don't have milkshakes yet. But I was thinking. <laughs> Sorry, I can't laugh that loud. I was thinking maybe you could whip me up an old yours, uh, like a. <laughs> no, they don't have milkshakes yet. They meaning us. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like me a cold, frothy one. Yeah, you know. Could you? I know it's I know it's first century Palestine. What's Palestine? I don't know. What's a century? Who cares? Hey Jesus, What's first, why is this the first one? I just want a milkshake. <laughs> hey Jesus, I know that I know that you're God, and I know that you're asking me what I want, but it's like, I see right here next to me is a big empty field. If you could just put a steak and shake right there, like an, a fully <laughs> operational steak and shake that I could go into. I want them wearing the little hats. I want them, I want the little hats. I would like, the, I want it to have the, that smell, the crayons. You I know? want the little shoestring French fries and the flat burgers. And I the want 50s. to sit in a vinyl booth. It's very, it'd be very interesting to have a fifties decor in 33 AD because the fifties, <laughs> the first fifties have not even happened yet. <laughs> And so it's like, for them, it's like, for us, it's kind of a retro thing. For them, it's like, this is the future. This is the future. But it's funny because retro back then, they tried to make make everything everything look look like the the future. future. Right. Yeah. Chrome. Everything is chrome in the future. Yep. Uh, My, (laughs) I was, I was reading this article about how all of these, all of these independent, there's a bunch of independent browsers out there now that are like Bitcoin based. So like, there's one that my friend was talking to me about where he, um, you download the browser and you use it and you can decide whether or not you want ads. And if you allow ads, you get essentially paid for your attention to those Hmm. ads. Hmm. So you get like a fraction of a Bitcoin, Hmm. right? Like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction uh, for the amount of time you spend browsing, using their search engine, using their ads, whatever. And a lot of these independent, because of the popularity of Google Chrome, a lot of these independent browsers are based on Chrome. Hmm. And so I was like, "Huh, everything is Chrome everything, in the future. Everything's Chrome. Everything is Chrome. What a what a bit. What a it's a pretty good bit. What a what a lineup. I was not ready for that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so do you want to move on to Doctor Ethan's dating corner part two? <laughs> you sounds like you need a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm a podiatrist. Why did you come here? The light was on. 
light was on. That's the equivalent of the the moth joke. Yeah, I'm ready for you Dr. Told, Ethan's dating corner. The only the only doctor joke I had, which I've I've said several times, a friend of mine um, was talking about how he wanted to become. Uh, he was he was studying ophthalmology, and he said it was a really big deal for him to study ophthalmology because all of his life, his teachers and his friends and his parents all told him that he would never he would never uh, be a doctor. Um, and so he said, you know, I'm going to study ophthalmology. Then you'll see. You'll all see. Mm-hmm. That's very good. That's joke. pretty funny. <laughs> very good. The, every the all the good jokes end with the joke teller saying, "Very good joke." Very good joke. <laughs> um, no, the best part about that joke was it came up organically. That was not a setup. My friend was actually talking about how he was studying optometry. Not, not ophthalmologist. Okay. Uh, just, I, I know it Alright, you came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> um, okay, so this, this question comes from Anonymous. Uh, when should you tell a guy about your... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Welcome to Dr. Ethan's Dated Corner, sponsored, sponsored by, by Catholic, Catholic Match. Match. <laughs> sponsored by Catholic Match. Um, we got a bunch of we got a bunch of Catholic Match uh, subscribers or followers yes. on Instagram yes. over to the pod. We got like we got like twenty followers on our Instagram. Oh, that's awesome. All off of that post. Yeah, so go follow Catholic Match on Instagram because uh, we'll be posting. They'll be posting the Doctor Ethan's Dating Corner. Uh, survey up there so they'll be posting it like every other week or so and so if you want to if you want to submit a dr ethan's dating corner please follow catholic match at catholic match on instagram ethan are you ready for your question i'm so ready okay when should you tell a guy about your dating history all right hi love the podcast i really enjoy being in the facebook group facebook.com slash group slash the crunchcast uh it's one of the reasons why i want to stay anonymous um i'm sure it'd be easy to find me uh, so don't say my first name. Cool. Won't do. I'm 24, female, single. I'm very content with that status, but I do occasionally think about dating and how that would go, especially with the fact that I may be moving to a new city that has a vibrant Catholic community. I haven't dated in over two years. In my last relationship, I made a lot of poor choices, and since then, I've gone to confession. My relationships before that were also quite sinful. I was definitely living that university double life of going out on the weekends, then getting up and going to mass like nothing happened. I've worked really hard to not make those choices anymore and have started to be intentional about searching for love in good places like God and an amazing group of women. Mm. I've sought forgiveness with God, but I still have wounds from those past relationships, mostly from the guy who told me he wouldn't date me if I wasn't a virgin. I'm apprehensive of sharing the choices I've made with guys because of that fear of rejection and judgment, even though it's in the past and I'm making an effort to live out Catholic teaching as well as know what, know that what God has laid out is better than what the world can offer. I do think it's important to let a guy know before we start getting serious in case it's a problem for him. As men, I feel like you two have an idea of when you'd want to know this kind of information from a girl. I don't want to overshare too soon, but I also want to protect my heart as much as I can. I know I'm probably not the only girl going through this, so your thoughts and advice would be greatly appreciated. Keep up the amazing work on the podcast. I always look forward to each new episode. When you, that makes one of us. Yeah. I'm just yeah. <laughs> when, when, when you were reading it and you said that she's trying to find love in other places, like from God and amazing, I thought you were going to say... Like in my mind, I heard like from God and the amazing race, like the television program. <laughs> I was like, hold on. There's going to be a whole nother side of this that we dive. So here's what you got to do. You got to find a partner and you got to go on a race around the world with a bunch of quirky characters. And you, 
You gotta have a gimmick. You gotta get yourself a gimmick. Gotta get a gimmick. Otherwise, they're not gonna let you on. Yeah. They, are they still doing that show? Does anybody know? Hi, I'm Patrick, and this is my uh, this is my ventriloquist dummy, Patrick, and we want to be on the Amazing Race. The is, dummy's name rhymes. We're, we're gonna I'm be we're gonna be great for this program because we're gonna save CBS so much money on airfare. <laughs> He's like, I don't. Uh, we're, who's the real dummy in this relationship? You know, that'll be the, that'll be the tagline. You know? And then for the for the challenge, you have to like go in and like wrestle cows or something and like take a pin the tail on the cow and you just throw the puppet into the, into the pen it's like both of the cows to... just immediately tap out yes. they're like this guy yeah, obviously knows what he's doing yeah we're, we're we're using the skip we're using the roadblock we're getting out of here um, <laughs> anyway i <laughs> just love that image of me just hurling a little patrick <laughs> puppet <laughs> Yeah, I guess I didn't specify that, but the puppet also looks like me. Yeah, no, I figured because you named it Fatrick, and so yeah, that's, yeah. It stands for Felt Patrick, by the way. He's not fat. Sure. Anyway, so, so the question. So the question. <laughs> kind of lost myself there for a minute. Uh, I can only speak from my experience, and Patrick, you can share from yours. I don't. I don't think there's a time limit. <clears throat> I think it depends. I think if you. Start dating someone and you're engaged in six months. Your timeline's different than if you date someone for two years and you're engaged, you know, for however long. Um, so obviously timelines and situations are different. You're out of college, so things are probably going to move a bit quicker for you, generally speaking. Um, maybe not, but I really, the kind of the answer to the question is, is whenever both of you agree that you're comfortable to share those things. I, I, I really don't think that there's a, you have to share it by this point or you have to share it, you know, this amount of time before you're engaged or you have to share it this amount of mm-hmm. time after you started dating or this amount of time that you're serious. And I don't even like, I kind of disagree with what you said about, you know, I don't want to share too late in case it's a problem for him because it shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> and if, yeah. and if it is a problem for him, it's a problem for you. <laughs> and so like that, I don't want you to think that way because think about the, uh, the woman at the well, right? You have not had, you don't have one husband. You've had five husbands, right? This is not, you know, that kind of a thing. And Jesus like knows that this woman has had a sinful past, but what does he offer her? Right. Living water, eternal life, forgiveness, uh, redemption. And it's beautiful. It's an amazing thing. And so, that's how Jesus sees you, right? And that's how you should see yourself as someone who's been given the opportunity to live a new life in Christ. Your sins matter because they happened and they have consequences, but they don't matter insofar as how you should see yourself or how other people should see you uh, in this kind of context. And so I would take him out of the equation until it gets to the point where you feel like you want to share, like when it kind of gets to the point where you feel like I want to share this about myself with this other person. And I want to know these things about him so that I can better understand where he's been and I can better share why I am the way that I am. But if before that, you don't have to rush it, you know, that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of what I think. What do you think, Pat? I, I, I agree. I think that you don't, you don't, don't feel, don't feel pressured. I mean, like share when things start to get serious, you're going to need to like, eventually you're going to need to be like, okay, is this, is this going to be a problem? Um, and it's also about how you present it, right? Like 
I mean, you don't need to be like weeping and in tears about something that you've already dealt with yourself, but mm-hmm. you just be like, Hey, I, you need to know this. And like, I am okay. If you don't, if you like, if you need some time to process this, this is just, this is what's happened in the past. And like, I think, I think the, the point where you can say it's time for me to talk about this is at the point or after like close to the point or after when you guys have started saying, I love you to each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's the point where like, okay. Cause saying I love you is like a big, is a big step. And that is the point where, you know, at least there's some sort of like, there's a self gift there. Right. And, and he, you can kind of say like how much, you know, do you, do you love me even with everything that's happened? And like, I mean, honestly, you should, you should read the, you should read the article that I wrote for Catholic match, uh, about should I date a virgin? It was a very, um, or should I only date virgins? It was uh, a very, a very controversial Instagram post. And because people in the bottom are like, yeah, I, I wouldn't date a girl with a body count of more than two. And I was like, uh, body no count. one should date you. No one should date you if you use the words body, body count. count. Uh, yeah. Can I, like, can I say something? Yes. I'm thinking of Mary of Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Legend. Okay. One of the one of the most venerated women in the history of the church. People would come to her out in the desert, like men, priests would come to her for spiritual advice and like all these like she was just amazing. Um but she was a prostitute and she had this big conversion, all these things. Or maybe not a prostitute, but she just lived a life of I don't know exactly her story, but she lived a life of sexual promiscuity. Um and the there's a lot of men out there who claim I hate this the phrase men are allowed to have preferences it just like sends a shiver down my spine because what they mean is uh, I want a virgin and I want that to be socially acceptable to say is like what they're trying to say yeah um, but if we imagine right if Jesus thought that way right and he's like actually don't, I'm not going to give Mary of Egypt the grace to be a saint because I kind of prefer virgins. You know, I think there's something to be said for the state of virginity being blessed, right? Because it's what Mary had and it's yeah. what Jesus kind of went for, you know, like there's, but, but I don't know if you know this, but um, having had sex in the past does not restrict you from uh, a state of virginity. Like you can, you can have fallen in the past and then convert and become a nun. Right. Exactly. And you're still a virgin. Yes. You're a consecrated virgin. Mm-hmm. And you still are in that in that in that realm of heaven that's reserved for the virgins. Exactly. And yeah. and so just imagine like if just take whatever if ever if a guy says something and you're like that seems off, put it put it in Jesus's words and imagine him saying that to you and, and kind of check that and see if it's like, mm-hmm. is that is that what God would say to you and then just say, "Hey, I really don't think that God has preferences for his saints about how they come to him and in what way they come to him, you know? And, and if a guy really is just like, no, this is my preference. This is what I prefer. And you know, I, I can't handle you having this kind of history. And it's like, well, that's for him to deal with. And I'm sorry, you know, but like you don't need to lose a lot of sleep over that one. I don't love Phoebe because of my preferences. That's, that's so weird to say. It is really, it's weird to say any, any that you love anybody because of your preferences. I know it's like oh this is um this is my type you know it's like that that's not it 
chief. <laughs> I was just talking to Emma yesterday. I asked her, I was like, am I the kind of guy that you thought you would marry one day? And she's like, kind of, because I've always been attracted to extroverts, but also you're so much more than I ever thought, you know, you would be, you know, um, which is because we've gotten to know each other. Right. And I've been able to become more of myself with her. She's becoming, and she asked me the same question. I was like, am I the kind of girl? I was like, no, to be honest, I thought that I would marry someone who has way more in common with me. I thought I was gonna marry someone who liked the NBA and golf. (laughs) It's like, but just because that would be like maybe my preference of someone to hang out with doesn't mean that that's like who God has given me to love and who I Mm -hmm. choose to love every single day and who makes me happy. You know, like it's not about preferences. Love is not about preferences at all. Yeah, and you don't, you know what? You don't really get preferences in marriage. And you know, you want to know why? You want to know why? You want to know why? Why, Patrick? People change. <gasps> and your spouse is a people. <laughs> so you don't get preferences. You don't get preferences after yeah. you get married because there is one, you now have one preference them. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's your preference. Enjoy, and I'm sorry if you if you prefer virgins. Then after a couple of weeks, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be out of disappointed. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, but oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Only t- Just, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I have I have to get an annulment. Um, I've told her I only I only wanted to marry a virgin. She's not a virgin anymore. So yeah, sorry. I hope that's helpful, anonymous. Uh, I hope that's helpful to both the Doctor Ethan's dating horner questions that we answered this podcast uh, for the topic, and then further that question. If you have any questions, info at thecrunchcast.com. If you have any comments, uh, Patrick at thecrunchcast.com. If you have any angry uh, angry messages, Ethan at thecrunchcast.com. That's just kind of how you should delineate where you send your messages. Facebook.com slash groups slash thecrunchcast. Patreon.com slash thecrunch. Am I missing anything? That is it. That's everything. In my... Yeah, follow at Catholic Match if you want to get some uh, dating corner questions. Create a Catholic Match account if you want to put some of these practices into practice. Into practice, exactly. I love that. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Tune in next week when I give Ethan 72 raisins. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.